I'm Shauna Van Bogart, and this is Just Being. I used to be very jealous because I was deeply insecure. I hated that feeling of jealousy. And for those of you who struggle with it or have struggled with it, you know how heavy the feeling of jealousy can be. And by the way, feeling jealous is more common than you think, so you are very much not alone. And the annoying thing about it is that when you're feeling jealous, your imagination does some pretty wild stuff. I mean, I am very familiar with the feeling of when my partner would be out with his friends and my mind would immediately go to imagining a bar full of Jennifer Aniston lookalikes. Like every single woman in the bar, I just knew they looked like Jennifer Aniston. And they all had shiny, sparkly, intelligent personalities. And it would just be inevitable that she would love all the things that I hated, that my husband loved. And she would love boats. And she would know how to do all the things that he liked to do. And she'd tell the right joke. And they'd have the most enlightening conversation. And then he'd fall in love. And then that would be the end of us. I mean, it was insane. It's insane what our emotions can do to our imagination. So I struggled with jealousy all of my 20s, and I carried it into my marriage. Now, my jealousy issues manifested in my intimate relationships. For some, jealousy can manifest in their business and become like an obsession with what other people are doing, how they're doing it, what they seemingly have that you don't have. And I genuinely thought for the longest time that jealousy is just something I'm going to have to manage just going to have to manage it my whole life. Now, I could put on an exterior front to a degree that I wasn't bothered, but underneath that facade, oh, I was bothered. (laughs) Have you ever had something about yourself that you just think, well, it is what it is. I have tried to fix it. I don't know what to do. I just think I'm going to have to manage it my whole life. Now, I want to be the first to tell you that as a reformed jealous partner, it is your choice to be jealous or not. And jealousy is a reaction to fear. And that fear is a fear of abandonment, fear of being hurt, and possibly even the fear of being the one to hurt someone else. And if you can truly see, see what jealousy is, that it's fear, that's really the first step to moving through it. The next is loving yourself enough to hold space for it so you can turn the dial down. So it was the first year of our marriage, and I was so fed up over myself. I was so annoyed with myself that I finally just waved the white flag on this whole jealousy thing. It was getting harder and harder to keep contained within myself and harder to keep managed under the facade And it started to seep out, I mean, obviously, and destructive for both of us. I needed help, but more importantly, I genuinely wanted help. I was finally at this place within myself and in a beautiful partnership where it meant a lot to me to admit to myself that I refused. I refused to have to manage this my whole life. I refuse it. I don't tolerate this anymore. I refuse to let this cause problems in my relationship especially with my chosen life partner. And you know what that refusal meant? 
that I was finally at a level with my own self-worth that I valued myself enough to realize I did not have to live this way and that I deserved, I deserved to have the help that I needed, that I loved myself and I loved my partner enough to stand up and say, I don't know if it's right that I am just meant to manage this, that I'm open to hopefully being wrong, that managing it is my only option. I used to say, I can't believe I'm this messed up that I need to go get help. And at this point, the more accurate statement is, I can't believe I'm this messed up to think I need to be able to figure this out on my own. What I was seeking help on was cleaning up this incongruency within my identity. In my conscious mind, I was and could witness me being jealous, and I knew I didn't like it. Obviously, I knew it was dysfunctional, but it felt like I could not consciously stop it, and trying to control it was not working. I obviously did not intend any ill will. I obviously did not want to be that way, but it felt like every time I tried to control it, it got worse. I understood its damaging effects. I was aware of what the triggers would be, but awareness of a problem isn't enough to change it. Some things feel like they have such a grasp on you, you feel powerless to them no matter how badly you want it to change. This was why it was important for me to find the support that I needed, to get down into the subconscious where this had a stronghold on me so I could catch my internal identity up to speed with where my conscious identity was at. This was the thing that pushed me to go see a counselor for the first time in my life. Now, I was simultaneously empowered to do this, yet was freaking terrified to have to go to that first session. The woman that I reached out to for help, Aleka, you heard from her in an earlier episode, she had been coming up in conversations all around me. So as I said, the universe is always giving you hints. It's always providing you teachers when you need them. So I didn't even need to search who to work with. That was not a thing. I knew immediately that she was the right person that was going to help me with this. So you can imagine where I'm at with this. I'm feeling like this is a huge huge feat for me to even admit that I was going to go get some sort of help. I mean, I'm not going to lie. And I know you've probably experienced this too. There was still a big part of me that was saying, no, I got this. I can do this on my own. I figure things out. I've done it before. Do I really need someone outside of me to move through this? But When I looked at my behavior and I looked at the patterns and then I look at the length of the time the patterns had been going on, it was pretty clear that I either didn't know how to figure it out and I didn't want to admit that fully or just simply wasn't a priority. I mean, that's just the truth of it. If you say you want something to change, but you're not changing it, are you resisting the help like I was because of major vulnerability issues Or are you not wanting it bad enough? Many people's comfort zones, including mine for some time, is discomfort. And if that's the norm, then it's often easier to stay in the dysfunction because that's just what you know. And when you know it, you think you can control it. And there's a lot of peace of mind, we think, that comes from perceived control and that denial. So reaching out to get help was majorly vulnerable for me. Yet, it did feel slightly exciting underneath all of that trepidation. So, I sit my husband down on the couch. 
And I tell him, I'm going to go get some counseling. I had waited all day for him to come home so I could tell him this in person. And when I told him, I'm going to go get some counseling, he just looks at me and he says, okay, as if I had just told him that I'm ordering takeout. Now, I will admit that I tend to romanticize things. So in my mind, I had this totally different reaction planned out for him. I was all worked up in my own emotions about it. I had imagined this playing out like it was going to be this huge celebration that he would be telling me how proud he was and maybe he would take me out to a nice dinner and toast me over a glass of champagne, almost as if simply telling him that I was going to get help would just solve the problem and maybe I wouldn't have to go, right? Like how disillusioned I was. But no, just a simple, you know, okay, followed by I support you no matter what. And that was pretty much it. (laughs) Now I realize what was likely going through his head was, oh, thank God she came to that conclusion on her own because I didn't want to say it to her. But his response of just, you know, okay, I support you, basically clarified for me just how much I really, really was doing this for myself. Not for him. I, I really was doing this for me. And by the way, you guys, I walked into that first counseling session. I walked into the office and I just immediately started crying. I mean, What a big exhale I felt. And man, did it take a lot to walk into the office that first time. And to contrast that with how I feel now, which is totally, totally unencumbered by the idea of getting help, especially the help that I deserve and need, it's just a deeply satisfying feeling. It's deeply satisfying to have no qualms, none, about reaching out to whoever I need to reach out to to get the help and support that I need and deserve. To love yourself that much that you don't need to get into a bunch of fear or overthink or resistance because you can see the payoffs in time, in money, in energy that outside support gives you. My good friend Margaret would call this the duh. The duh are things that just make sense. If I truly valued living a full and happy life, then duh, I would do whatever it takes to clear my pathway forward. That is what it means to be a person who values happiness, not just to say you do. But it took me a while to be where I'm at now with receiving support to help me become a more whole person because I was one of those people who viewed counseling and therapy as something for broken people. And I was in denial about my own brokenness because frankly, I was just a scaredy cat and vulnerability gave me the heebie-jeebies. And I thought that, you know, being a high achiever would successfully allow me to just avoid vulnerable moments for as long as I possibly could. Just focus on winning, focus on striving, focus on looking good, accomplishing, and maybe I would never have to admit out loud to anyone that I had feelings. Like, that was my plan for life. This was not the first time, though, that therapy or counseling had come up in my world. I was in my second year of self-employment. This is many years prior. And I was gaining major traction in my business. And then my personal life took that big hit when that dysfunctional two-year relationship finally ended, as I talked about in the previous episode. At that time, as I shared, I was completely flattened because of it. I didn't know if I was going to be able to run my business. And that was especially devastating for me because as a doer and as someone who had a very beautiful first year in business and felt like I was so aligned and doing my life's work, I couldn't 
seemingly get myself to really do anything during that time period. And it just was a really hard feeling to have gone from so much flow and happiness in my business to looking at alternative options to make money so I could simply put some ramen noodles on my table to feed myself. So I was living with a roommate at the time and she obviously knew what was going on. Several months into the breakup, I was still feeling a lot of emotions and I was sitting there crying and she very gently suggested that maybe I should go talk to someone. I should go talk to a therapist. And let me tell you how well that went over with me during that time in my life. I'm fresh, I'm raw, looking on the daily like I was anything but an image consultant. I mean, I was not, not, I was not ready to hear that at that time. And as someone who was not comfortable with her emotions and feelings and had a very, very low self-worth at that time, the idea that someone was witnessing me and was thinking that I needed help, I mean, oh my gosh, that hit me like such a dagger. Of course, she was just trying to help. This is not about anything she said. I am the one who took it so personally because it poked me in my imposter syndrome and I did not like that. And she could see that I was struggling. And so her trying to offer help was like pointing this big spotlight on my weakness. And instead of seeing it as a way to clear it, I took it as bringing this weakness to light where everyone would know. And I certainly can't have that happening. So cover it up, pretend if need be, build a facade to keep it hidden away, don't show your weakness. And basically what that did is her suggesting that to me activated me back into action. It was actually the kick in the pants that I needed to revive my business. And frankly, it couldn't have come at a better time. So I went back to achieving. I went back to doing, focusing more on how things looked on the outside in the hopes that it would get me back to where I wanted to be. I want to be clear that I moved from wallowing back to avoidance. I had taken a big step to feel my emotions, which was huge. And I don't want to discount that because that's important but I wasn't necessarily processing them or doing anything with them. I didn't know how. So in theory, yes, I should have probably had the support as I was totally new to experiencing my emotions already, but I just didn't know. I did the best that I could with what I had. And eventually, I mean, I did figure it out, but here's what I know to be true as a result of that experience. The more we prop up our facade by avoiding dealing with the real and internal roadblocks, the more we feel divided within ourselves. A lot of times I see this playing out and business owners don't even realize they're doing it. I certainly didn't. When your facades come in the form of staying busy, of doing, of achieving, of projects, I mean, who would judge that as anything but positive? And can't that just be enough? If I, if I just achieve through doing, if I can just get the business to a financially secure place, then I'll have proved myself. If I can breathe, then I'll feel better. The negative feelings will just go away. Then I won't have to feel this friction or anxiety and I'll have figured it out. Whether you're aware of this dynamic or not, it drives a fear of being discovered for who you really are. In my case, it was being discovered for a hot mess underneath all that achievement and polished exterior. This is what drives imposter syndrome, by the way. And it's the real deal, let me tell you. And very, 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 very common. You are not alone if you feel imposter syndrome. Even some of the most successful people I've spoken with keep tabs on this little sneaky sneak because it's invasive. And I've had the pleasure of calling it into light with many business owners. My clients know who they are. They're like, thanks, Shauna, who had no idea that it was at play. 
By the way, I think imposter syndrome at a very, very minimal and reasonable amount can actually offer a pinch of humility, which in my opinion is always a healthy ingredient to success. So I take the approach of minimizing it, not going at it to dissolve it because I'm not entirely sure that it's possible, to be honest, to fully dissolve it. Early in my career, I defended against feeling like an imposter by achieving, but also by putting a wall up. Okay, that's probably an understatement. It's probably more like 12 walls up, made of iron, surrounded by a moat with crocodiles and dragons, protected by an army, with a 21st century vulnerability detector that would annihilate any vulnerability in any form of contact. Needless to say, I kept people at arm's length because if they were going to get to really know me, then they might discover that I'm human. I'm human and I'm a hot mess, just like we all are in our own unique, beautiful ways. I don't always have the perfect words. I get really hangry. I say really terrible things prior to 8 a.m. in the morning if you try to talk to me sometimes. That I cry. I cry a lot now. That I get really scared sometimes wondering if I can really be of help to a new client. That I have an irrational fear of mascots. Mascots, they really creep me out, you guys. Like, they really creep me out. That I, too, say things that I don't mean mid-mental breakdown to my husband Like the time I ugly cried, shouted at him, how badly I wanted to just take a tennis racket to this whole place and lose my damn mind like a normal person. That I have, in fact, taken said tennis racket to my bed pillows to productively and safely whack out some aggression only to end up hitting myself in the face with it, which just defeated the whole point and just made me feel even more pathetic. So here's my question. What if we just all owned our hot messiness, our huff fluff Yes, I made that phrase up. You're welcome to use it because it's amazing. But what if we just owned our huff-a-fluff? What if we just were human so we could just get on with just being? What if instead of covering them, working to dissolve them so hard, so intensely, shoving them down, plastering facades over them in the hopes that they won't be seen, what if we go ahead, call them to the surface so we can actually get to know them? What if that's the key to being more of ourselves? What if that's the key to finding congruency within ourselves? After all, if we get to know our humanness, then we understand it. And if we understand it, we know. When we know, we feel safer and it's okay. When we know it's okay, then we can just turn the volume down because we're at a place where we realize we're in control of the dial and it doesn't have power over me. You only thought it did because you didn't understand it. Debbie Ford in her book, The Dark Side of the Light Chasers, which is a perfect complement to this topic, by the way, I highly recommend it, says, it is by embracing all of who we are that we earn the freedom to choose what we do in this world. Pulling directly from the book, she says, our shadows and the associated feelings are only harmful when they are repressed. Then they can pop up at the least opportune times and that your life will be transformed when you make peace with your shadow. You will no longer have to pretend to be someone you're not. You will no longer have to prove you're good enough. When you embrace your shadow, you will no longer have to live in fear. So, go into the thing you're trying to hide. Own it. 
or it will own you. Avoid or try to outmaneuver your imperfections and you'll actually end up feeling more imperfect as a result. Discover your shadows and you will find your emotional remote control. The power to switch channels effectively or turn the volume up and down when you want. But you can't work the remote if you aren't willing to reach in between those couch cushions and risk touching something gross under there. This work, the shadow work, is important for everyone. But for business, it's also imperative. Hence why I'm dedicating a whole podcast to it because it's the work that has changed everything for me in my business. Becoming more me was what I needed more of, not more social media posting, not more strategies, not fancier copy. From a very real, tangible revenue standpoint, your energy sells or it repels. Which one is it? People are buying you. People are investing in you. People are trusting you. We are attracted to people who feel expansive. Wallace Waddles in The Science of Getting Rich calls it being a person who is an impression of increase. And an energy of expansiveness, an impression of increase, cannot come from just the exterior alone. People see right through that these days. Expansiveness is wholeness, a lack of constriction, and this can only be accomplished when we deeply get to know and integrate all pieces of ourselves. however you find ways to do that. P.S. Shameless plug. I would love to be your guide because this is what I'm most passionate about. I had always known all of this on some level, but executing it for yourself is, of course, 10 times harder. For me personally, I knew how being on the outside could get you things, even happiness to a degree, And I knew how to show people how to leverage that for themselves. That is why I became an image consultant in the first place. But when you only focus on the outside, you're just building a facade. I had mastered facades personally. There was no manipulative intent around that. That was just my defense mechanism. That was just what I thought I needed to do. And I had done it most of my life. In my mind, it was no different than thinking, I want my house to be picked up before someone comes over. Or I'm going to polish my resume before submitting it for that job. These are not wrong moves per se, but where the train gets off the tracks is when you put too much emphasis on what it looks like, and then you neglect to align your internal identity with it. When you rely too much on the exterior, you're essentially talking, but you're not walking. Are you facading to avoid being seen or being caught for who you think you really are? Or perhaps you're facading because you think a facade is what's going to get you what you want because you alone are not enough. You alone are not enough to seal the deal. Or are you taking action on the outside to polish the resume, to pick up your home, to bring your identity back into congruence? When we talk about congruency, we're talking about congruency between the interior and the exterior, which is ultimately what I was aiming to do with my image consulting clients and what I now do for my business coaching clients. The reason I'm in the business of bringing congruency between the internal and the external is because it is the work that gets you the biggest. I mean, dollars in your bank account, satisfaction like you've never had before, the biggest results. It's working the inside, pulling the inside forward to reflect on the outside, bringing more you to the table and the impact and the income that comes with that. This is something, though, that most of us are actually terrified to do because we've spent most of our lives working from the outside in, like I was for the longest time, using the outside to cover the inside, facading. The work of becoming congruent affects every layer of your life and being. 
The more I cleaned up the incongruency in my personal life by doing the self-work, getting vulnerable, opening up to my emotions, embracing all the things I had previously labeled as fluffy and silly, the more my business thrived as a result of me becoming a more whole person. But this incongruency is also tangibly seen in the brand of your business and how you show up. And as you already know, branding, especially for service providers and personality-led brands, is a key component to your business. Now, I would say and argue that branding is not necessary to make money. I say that as someone who amassed six figures with no cohesive brand whatsoever, but it is absolutely a smart tool if you want more impact, which I'd hope that you do want. It has to be an inside out process. Because as a personality-led brand or a small business, you, your brand, and your business are completely linked. This is Sarah Ashman, creative director and brand strategist for female entrepreneurs. And she is the woman responsible for helping me bring my exterior up to speed with where my interior value is as a business owner. In our case, as small business owners, as personality-led brands, whether you want to see yourself as one or not, It's important to have a brand in the sense of having a strong sense of identity as to who you are, what you stand for, you know, how you do things differently and uniquely so that you can express that to the world. Those outward facing tangibles come from that or should come from that if you are are doing it correctly. Hiring Sarah to help me match my exterior visuals to how I was feeling on the inside was one of the best moves that I've made. And because of the work we did together, I feel the most congruent, the most whole I've ever felt in my life. More on that later. For the person who is, you know, not so confident or, you know, not as aware of who they are on the inside and maybe more focused on the exterior, there's a disconnect, there's a mismatch. And, you know, branding really, or building a brand is all about, you know, influencing how you're perceived. That's really, you know, sort of the art and science of branding. And so if your insides don't match your outsides, people can see through that and it's not really trustworthy or worthy of trust when the inside doesn't match the outside. This dynamic could not be more true. I've witnessed it play out in my earlier years in business. When my roommate suggests I get help, it perked my system. I did what I could with what I had at the time. I did not have the sight or the mindset to embrace the help, but what I did have in that moment was activation. Her even suggesting to me that I see someone activated me from hopelessness into anger, which is a more powerful emotion in terms of momentum and vibration. It's hard to do much when you're hopeless, but when you're angry, Action can happen from anger, and it can be incredibly motivating. And that's what that moment did for me. It hit me like this lightning bolt, and it moved me into action. But because I had just experienced really allowing certain feelings that I had repressed to come through, I was not the same person anymore. And I wasn't really aware of that. I had, through this mourning period, actually activated a dormant energy within myself as a result of feeling all of these feels. Despite it not feeling very good at all, I had actually, through this experience, become a more whole person because of it, and I had opened myself up to emotions that I was previously keeping tempered. 
I had also sharpened my intuition as a byproduct of moving through that breakup. So that was at play. And side note, although I did not go see a counselor or a therapist at this time, it was the time that I started working regularly with an energy healer, which I found to be both fascinating and a safer space, believe it or not, in which to heal because it did not require me to have to talk out my emotions with anyone. So obviously that won me over. Another side note, I still work with this energy healer, but it's equally as important to talk out your feelings, something I learned upon hiring Aleka. And so on many levels, I was rapidly shifting, but not even fully cognizant of what I was shifting into. So I threw myself back into my business, which felt good to just be doing, but it was different. And I could feel it was different, but I couldn't put words to it. And nothing tactically had really changed, but When I returned my focus all in back to my business, something just wasn't the same. There was this incongruency and this very, very quickly spiraled into a lot of frustration that lasted, I'm almost embarrassed to say, almost two years. I was craving a new level of depth, but I was not allowing myself to own that craving or acknowledge it. I was too focused on getting back to my vision and following through on the vision that I had set from day one. It's obviously no coincidence that this craving, this craving for a deeper level came after I myself had opened up to different levels of depths within myself. I was getting a little bored with the closet edits and the personal shopping trips. I liked it when I was with the client, but I would drag my feet leading up to the client sessions, and I just felt it didn't challenge me, and I was wanting, really wanting to affect change for people on a bigger level, on a core level. And I knew, I knew the outside stuff was not a fix for people because I had just moved through that experience myself. And so watching clients come in thinking it would fix them drove this deeper desire to bring this holistic 360-degree transformation experience to people. But again... I was too focused on seeing out the original vision I had mapped out from year one. And so this is when I really started to hit some roadblocks because I was trying to jump back into a business that I created when I was a different person. It didn't fit me anymore. And I wasn't quite realizing that. Instead, I was trying to stuff myself back into a business model that was a size too small, but I wouldn't fit and it was uncomfortable to wear. And I could not see that it was a size issue, that it was a business issue, that the business was too small for me. All I could see that it was a me issue. What's wrong with me? What am I doing wrong? Why is it not working? What do I need to do? All that flow I had experienced the first two years sort of came to this screeching halt. Despite doing all of the same things I was previously doing, it just wasn't working the same. And because I had just moved through this deeply excruciating personal experience of feeling not wanted, I, more than anything, was seeking to feel wanted in my business. I was trying really hard to be what I thought people wanted me to be. I see way too many people trying to shape their brand around who they think their clients want them to be, as opposed to being who they are first. It's really important the way that I like to approach branding is to get clear first and foremost about you. What makes you unique? Who are you? What do you do? What's the value you bring? What's your story? Sure, you can shape it once you have that to to speak to your audience, but do not build your brand around who you think that you should or shouldn't be. 
So I did the opposite of what Sarah is saying here at this period of my career. I was incongruent. Internally, I was a different being with a whole new perspective because of what I had gone through. I had evolved and I didn't even realize it because I wasn't checking in with myself. And I was essentially just allowing external factors influence how I designed my business. I energetically started repelling money. I was resisting subconsciously. I was resisting revenue in business because my internal mindset had actually deepened in regard to what I was desiring for myself and how I served. Yet, I was still trying to operate from the old business model because I needed the money. It's about you first and foremost. Because if this is your brand, if you're the one that's out there being the ambassador, if you're the one that's out there actually selling and wanting to attract people for who you are and for your talents, it has to first and foremost be about you. Otherwise, you're just watering yourself down to fit into a mold that's meant for other people. If it's not about you, as Sarah said, you lose the magnetism of not only your brand, but your energy. It's harder to sell. It's harder to attract clients, especially the right clients. And it's much more difficult all the way around to operate because you're letting outside influences pull your strings. What inevitably ends up happening is that in your desire to give people what they want so you can make money, you actually get more lost. It's a paradox. You move away from your uniqueness and you start looking the same as everyone else because you don't know how to cultivate from the inside out. So you look for templates and you just end up being a slightly personalized yet templated version of someone else. Sure, it may be beautiful, but is it you? A lot of same, same. Uh, Everything gets watered down. Everyone feels like it's not okay to use this tone of voice or this phrase or, you know, this color because it's not what their quote unquote avatar would respond to. But the whole thing is if you're building a brand around you, it has to reflect you first. And that becomes the beacon. Mm -hmm. That has more pull than any line of copy that you can create or any photo that you can take of yourself. It is, again, that, that confidence in who you are. Too many business owners spend way too much of their time on how it all looks before they even have fully stepped into owning their value and impact. What we are saying is it's okay to be selfish. Who are you? What do you want? How do you want to serve? Start here first, which goes against a lot of traditional business wisdom that's out there. But trust me and trust Sarah, we've both been through it. We've seen it executed with our clients. It has to start with you. The first few years in business, I put a lot of emphasis on how it looked and how it was perceived by other people. Too much emphasis. I mean, being an image consultant obviously drove a lot of this because I felt like I really needed to walk my talk and talk my walk. But it's not always about what it looks like. When you do the work to cultivate your sense of self, to allow your emotions in, to strengthen your values, to cultivate your opinions, to build attitude, your soul and this energy does the selling for you. The branding attracts your energy is what closes it. No matter how beautiful or perfect your branding is or how those photos might look, your energy shines through it. And it will tell people, consciously or subconsciously, where you're at with yourself. 
your level of comfort in your own skin. It will come through in your branding. It's your vibe that converts people, not how professional or how expensive your website is. So invest in the branding, hire the copywriter, take beautiful photos, but just realize that it doesn't, air quotes, work if you don't actually feel as good as it all looks. So I recently had a client who we went through the whole process. We got her super clear on her next level of her brands. As a result of that clarity, it ended up shifting her business to a degree. It ended up shifting the audience that she was you know, looking for to bring in. But we ended up doing all of the work. We did the photo shoot. We did you know, started on her website. She was overhauling her copy. Everything was in process, but she herself hadn't put anything different into the world. She hadn't shifted her social media. She hadn't changed a thing. So she launched, she has a program, a group program that she offers several times a year and she does well. But this time after we had done this work, again, nothing changed on the outside. She relaunched the program and ended up doing three times better than she had ever done before. And I asked her, I said, why do you think that is? And she said, it's my confidence. I just felt incredibly confident. It was really easy to talk to people about what I was offering. It was really easy to get excited about what I was offering and write emails, marketing emails, and get on Facebook Lives. And she said, I think it was the confidence. And that's exactly you know, what I think it is. It's that the, the energy, people can feel that it's palpable. Branding should be a beautiful compliment, just like the image consulting tools that I offered my clients, but they are not a replacement for self-worth and they are certainly not the fix. I know many many business owners with terrible branding who have a lot of success. It's a tool they don't need to rely on because they and their work just speaks for itself. So it's just their choice whether they invest in it or not. And in fact, you can actually end up creating more divide, more internal friction and anxiety by turning to tools like branding and image when you haven't yet done the internal work. Because if you level up the brand without leveling up yourself first, and you aren't confident in your own skin, then once you see that evolved branding, it can create even more pressure on yourself to perform. Now that you know the market is inundated with thousands of people that do the same thing, and it seems like almost everyone has the same kind of photography and some of the same phraseology, and everyone's talking about the same thing and just shuffling through the same memes on social media, as consumers, we have to rely on something other than just our eyes and our ears. And we've gotten a bit smarter and we have to now feel into the energy to know whether or not they're a match for us or if we want to buy from them or if we resonate with them or want to work with them. And I think it's just kind of interesting to see how we're now starting to pick up on that more and more just as a, as a general culture. And if you're off internally, if you are more motivated by avoiding failure instead of being motivated by success, if you're dismissive of yourself, if you're not owning your humanness and your emotions, 
Even if all of this is buried under 10 layers of perfectly pressed designer threads, people will pick up on it and it will make your job selling yourself that much more difficult. The first half of my career, my exterior was polished. It was pretty, it was shiny. My interior, well, not so shiny and polished. The deeper I went into myself, the more I cultivated my sense of self, the more I honored my desires, who I am, my weirdness, my intuitive gifts, my uniqueness, my feelings, the less I needed to rely on how it looked. I made a very deliberate and conscious choice four years ago when I hit a big reset button to go all in mentally and spiritually with my transformation work. And I made this conscious decision to do the exact opposite of what I had always done. I didn't do a big launch. I didn't build a shiny website. I didn't get a logo. I didn't order business cards. I didn't do any of the branding stuff. And I made more money that way because my energy was aligned to my higher purpose and my zone of genius. Things started to flow again, but on a much larger scale like they did in year one of my business because I had stepped into this purity of who I was, which is not perfect, which is an ever-evolving human being, which is vulnerable, but knowing I am enough and doing what I can with what I have at any given moment and that that work is important. I stopped destination achieving and I started using what I had now in its fullness. And the results were almost immediate. I would mentally call in clients and they would show up that week. I could get sparked on a way to serve and the support would pour in to execute it. I could give you example after example of example of attraction marketing or whatever you want to call it, all as a result of my energetic alignment. And this is what I show my clients how to do as well. But it's not just me. What I love about Sarah, and there's so much I love about Sarah, I can't possibly list it all, but she is a walking embodiment of what this all looks like, of how just being can translate into results. Sarah has a very successful branding company, and she has done zero marketing. That's right. That's right. Today, no marketing. Within the first year of being in business, I had three to four really key clients who, you know, we did their entire brands and they relaunched and it was very different than what anyone else had seen in the online space at the time. And that was kind of the catalyst for everything else moving forward. Uh, Those people, when they launched, my emails started blowing up. You know, I had people coming at me left and right, you know, to work with me to build their brands. And I didn't even have an email list, to be honest, at that time, just because I feel like I just threw up a shingle, got a couple of clients, and then the rest is history. So I decided at that juncture, you know what, it's time for me to actually kind of walk my own talk and build, you know, a website that starts to build clientele and grab people's, you know, email addresses. And I just didn't have time. So I threw up a landing page. Uh, It was a nice looking, you know, very well styled landing page with just an opt-in box. I wasn't offering a freebie. I wasn't doing anything like that. And I just left it, set it and forget it. And, you know, came back a year later, still hadn't updated it to be completely honest, which is kind of embarrassing to admit. Um, And found that I had thousands of people on my email list. (laughs) I want to be very clear that in no way does being aligned energetically mean you have to be positive or be a perfect Pollyanna all the time because that's just not real. 
I'm sure Sarah would tell you that she had struggles or things happening maybe in her personal life. I don't know. And she still managed to run a very successful company that attracted clients effortlessly. The point of sharing all this is to help you realize that you will always be a work in progress. So the faster you settle into that, the easier it will be for you to be present enough to deliver outstanding work to the world. And as I've always said, the difference between good and outstanding work is that outstanding work sells itself. It's hard to do outstanding work when you're in your own way, in overthink and sabotage, or when you're second guessing everything you're doing. I was just kind of in the moment and just, yeah, I just had my head down just doing the work and the rest just happened around me. So I feel like it's, it's just kind of an energetic pull that has brought people to me in tandem with, you know, just really having wonderful clients who are willing to share my name with friends or coworkers. And I've, I've been really blessed in having quite a bit of referral business as a result. The easiest way to make it easy for people to refer more people to you is to be trusting. Being trusting means people can rely on you and see a consistency in your work to know if they send people your way, they are in excellent hands. You can't provide the level of consistency necessary for high referrals when you are not confident about the work you do. It also means being clear, back to making it about you, of what you want who you want to work with, and knowing it's okay to make that declaration. You have the right to be choosy. I give you that permission right now. Be choosy. I have experienced many times doing nothing in my marketing, but mentally or in a journal, noting what it was that I was wanting, and it shows up. Here's Sarah with one of her own examples. I know this sounds crazy, but sometimes I will think to myself, you know what? I would really love to work with someone who is a medical doctor who is really doing something interesting in the world. And I'm not even kidding. That's what will happen. And so I feel like mentally in my mind, I'm almost sending like a beacon of light out of the top of my head thinking, Hey, I'm over here. I can help you. If you'd like to find me, this is how. And I'm kind of mentally saying that just to the universe. um, And I've never admitted that out loud, by the way, but uh, that's kind of how I feel that I'm able to attract the right flow of clients. It would be easy for me to say, I wish I knew all of this much earlier in my career because daily I sit in the gratitude of ease. Ease that has come as a result of not avoiding all the things I was previously. Vulnerability, emotions, feelings, my fears, what people thought. So much ease has come from facing what I thought was to be avoided. And what makes it all so easy is that when we connect deeply with ourselves and then honor that connection enough to go that extra mile to make decisions from that place, regardless of how it looks to other people, we are in our intuition. A common ingredient of success in nearly every happy and profitable business owner that I speak to, including myself and including Sarah. I guess the creativity has always flowed through me. And so I think I just didn't really understand where it came from. And I guess it would, I would say I had been in the space, uh, you know, and working for about three to four years. And I worked with a woman who was an intuitive. 
And she pointed out, she said, Sarah, how do you think that you know so much about your clients? And how do you think that you know, you know, just the right concepts and aesthetic to match with each of your clients? And I had to really kind of scratch my head and think about it. And um, I said this, you know, very sheepishly with a question mark, I'm intuitive too? question mark. (laughs) And at that point, just even opening the door to that concept and what that meant and how that looked and how that felt, it really opened up the channel, um, you know, to me understanding, you know, part of the secret behind what I'm able to do and how I'm able to do it. I am so glad Sarah went here because this is part of the internal struggle that I had and that I help my clients with, resolving within themselves the judgment or the fear they have around intuitive gifts that they might possess. Because it was initially with my clients that I became aware of that, I really started just trusting the little nudges and the, the not to sound crazy, but the voices in my head, uh, you know, that would say, you know, Shauna needs to use the color red or whatever it was that would come through that I just needed to start to trust that. And the more that I started to do that, the louder it became. And I soon found that that was the way that I was able to operate in the world around me as well, to really just trust that anything that was coming across my path was a little help from the other side. The big takeaway in this episode is to put the same, if not more, amount of time energy, and money into cultivating your sense of self as you do your website. Trust me, I've spent thousands of dollars on branding and it was beautiful, but I got mediocre results. And I've spent thousands of dollars on myself while having mediocre branding and got beautiful results. For me, I had to swing the pendulum the other way for a bit because I spent so long focused on what it looked like and not focused on me. When I finally started getting that help that I deserved, the support that I needed, when I was at a place where I could admit that I didn't want to manage these things within myself anymore, like jealousy, like self-hate, like low self-worth, everything shifted almost immediately because I was finally taking myself seriously, not just my business. And as messy, as hard, as much as you will cry or face things that you don't want to face or have hard conversations with yourself or others, over and over. It is so, so worth it. And your success does not need to be put on pause while you're doing this work on yourself. You don't need to be anywhere or at any specific level. You do not need to be an enlightened guru or strive to show loving compassion to every single human being overnight or at all. You just need to be open to growth. Be okay with where you're at. Be willing to take the action and willing to show up when prompted. And there's no shortage of prompts. And even if you don't feel willing, you are still supported. It's inevitable. It's ineffable. And that's what I love about this life. You can be in your mess, this beautiful mess called life, and you could be in deep denial, stuck in your self-sabotage, unwilling to feel your emotions, and the universe will never, ever give up on you. Things are still working out in your favor, even when it feels like you can't see it in the moment. 
I can look back and I can connect the dots in amazement, even during those times where I clearly was in my denial of my own wounds and the healing that I needed. And at every rock bottom moment or intense circumstance in my life, simultaneously, I can see that there always was a light shining through in the most beautiful way, even when I couldn't see it. My husband always says, it's going to be great. When we are at our worst or we're dealing with something that is super intense, he will just look at me and he'll simply say, it's going to be great. And we just laugh because what else is there to say sometimes when your back is against the wall and you don't have the answers? But let's take that one step further. Whenever you're in it, I want you to come back here and I want you to remember and listen to these words and have them in your mind. I know you can't see it. I know it's hard. I know you're discouraged and you are really feeling it. I know that you may feel lost or overwhelmed. I know that vulnerability scares the shit out of you. And I know that you may want to stick your head in the sand and that's okay. But you are fully and unconditionally supported by a universe always working in your favor. And nothing that you could do, nothing you could say can ever change that. I always tell my clients, sorry, but you're just not that special to be excluded from this universal law. You're not going to be the special one, the special one out who doesn't get that support. You know, oh, Jane over there. Nope, she doesn't get this. It doesn't work that way. So for right now, all you need to do is just be. And I promise you, it is great already. Soon, you will know that too. SVB here. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Just Being and that you'll be continuing along this journey with us in the next episode. In the meantime, I have pulled something from my personal toolbox and posted it for you over at my website on shaunavanbogart.com. You will definitely want this in your back pocket. It is for tapping into your truth quickly and getting unstuck fast. It is my personal three-sentence journaling hack that I use on a regular basis that helps me get really clear, feel better, and attract what I really want. It's to help me get out of my head and into motion and into inspired action as fast as possible. You can find this tool over at shaunavanbogart.com forward slash get light. Just Being is produced by Jeremy Enns and the team at Counterweight Creative. Special thanks to Sarah Ashman and her team, Shauna Hader, Michael Weston, and Kelly Elizabeth for making this labor of love look and feel as beautiful as I felt creating it. And to my right-hand woman, Jess Butler, for always keeping me in line. 